Having brought you Pentecost the musical, we now have Pentecost the reading, and it's from Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Acts chapter 2 and beginning at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Corinthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pygra and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we pray this morning that as we look into your word that you would speak to us today through your Holy Spirit, that we would hear you, that we would experience you, that we would know that you are here with us. And we pray that we would open our hearts and minds to what you might have to say to us in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Okay, we've had... uh... Pentecost the musical, Pentecost the reading, and now of course we've got Pentecost the sermon. And uh, I know what you're thinking, what if Pentecost happened today? That's what you're thinking, isn't it? What would it be like? Uh, well, with health and safety, it might not have happened, might it? <laughs> this is a health and safety nightmare. What if we set off the fire alarm? Does this mean I can't wear a hat? <laughs> What if Pentecost were to happen today? Uh, Willie, William Williamon, try saying that, says this, we build such solid brick buildings, bolt furniture down to the floor, print up the service bulletin and deliberately follow the prescribed acts of worship out of an inner fear. We tie everything down, we make church so predictable, so settled and fixed, because in our collective memories, we remember stories like this one, the day of Pentecost, We know that the Holy Spirit has done extraordinary things for disciples in the past. And we know that the church can be a risky, dangerous place. What with the living God roaming about? You see, you didn't realise you were doing something risky this morning, did you, when you came to church? You were thinking it was going to be boring and predictable. You didn't know you were going to be part of a, a Pentecostal musical. And you might be wondering, what else are we going to be part of? with the living God roaming around. Quite like that. The day of Pentecost, the uh, disciples were certainly uh, frightened 
uh, excited uh, together as the Holy Spirit came. And uh, as we look at the day of Pentecost, uh, the first thing that I want to say is that the Holy Spirit is the promise of God for us. The Holy Spirit is the promise of God for us. Who is the Holy Spirit for? For us. That's right. The Holy Spirit is for us. Uh, in the in the in the next bit of the uh, Acts two that we didn't read, uh, Peter quotes from that prophet from the prophet Joel that we read at the beginning of the service. In the last days, God says, "I will pour out my Spirit on all people, all people." I don't know whether you uh, are familiar with Numbers chapter eleven. It's uh, an interesting account of of Moses and the Israelites when they were uh, wandering around the desert. And uh, Moses was feeling a little bit worn out. Uh, He was leading the people on his own, and he was feeling pretty desperate. And he said to God, basically, I can't cope anymore on my own. This is it, I've had it. And so God uh, heard him and took pity on him and said, well, look, uh, call 70 uh, elders and uh, get them to help you. And this is what it says in Numbers 11.25. It says, then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, and took the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. When the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. So we see an example in the, in the Old Testament of how the Holy Spirit wasn't just for the elite leaders. But if you read on, you, 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 would, you would find out that two of the elders hadn't turned up at the tent of meeting uh, when the Holy Spirit was, was given to them so that they could prophesy. But... Where they were, the Holy Spirit fell on them, and they prophesied, started prophesying outside of the tent of the meeting. And uh, Joshua wasn't happy about this, and he says, and I paraphrase this, he says to, he, he, he says to Moses, you've got to stop Eldad and Medad prophesying before this gets out of hand. And Moses in response says this, he says, Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. He wished that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. And what Moses wished for and what Joel prophesied happened at the beginning of the church. And Luke records it in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit fell on all the disciples as they were gathered together in one room. This is the promise of Pentecost. Jesus had been talking about this uh, in, in Luke's Gospel. He says, I'm going to send what my Father has promised. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for each one of us. But wait, Jesus said, just before he left them, for the gift my Father promised. The Holy Spirit is the promise of God for us. It's not just for the elites, for the super spiritual, uh, for those that are in leadership. Sometimes you, you know, you hear people say, oh, such, such a person, they're such a spiritual person as if, as if they've got more of the Holy Spirit or something than somebody else. And sometimes we, we allow others to talk us down. The Holy Spirit is given to all believers. And that's the promise of God 
that the Holy Spirit will fall upon us. He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. And the disciples were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. They were waiting because that's what Jesus told them to do. So the Holy Spirit is the promise of God for us. The promise of God for us. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Sometimes we can be all together but not in one place. And sometimes we can be in one place but not all together. The disciples were all together and in one place. And it says that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them. Nobody was left out. It wasn't just Peter. It wasn't just John. It wasn't just James. It wasn't the recognized leaders. It was all of them. The Holy Spirit is the promise of God. The church mice, this is what he says. At Pentecost, the Lord poured out his fire upon the believers and they began to shout with joy as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. What these guys need poured on them is a bucket of ice cold water. In other words, the church mouse is suggesting that the church needs waking up. Anyone did the ice bucket challenge? Do you remember that? A few years ago now when people had this idea that you throw a bucket of ice water on somebody and it certainly wakes you up, doesn't it? Uh, I, I had that experience. Uh, don't worry, we're not going to do it now. People aren't going to appear from the doors and throw ice water on those that are, that are dozing off. It's not going to happen. But uh... So the Holy Spirit is the promise of God for us. It's God's promise. And we can claim that promise. We can claim that promise of God. Secondly, I want to say that the Holy Spirit is the presence of God with us. It's the promise of God for us. But it's the presence of God with us. I will ask the Father, Jesus said in John chapter 15, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth, to be with you forever. The Holy Spirit is the promise of God for us, but it's the presence of God with us. I don't know about you, but sometimes I really feel that I need the presence of God with me. Maybe when you're facing a difficult situation and you, you're not sure what to do or what to say, you can pray, Holy Spirit, tell me what to do. Tell, give me the words to say. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God with us. Rob Bell, in his book, Jesus Wants to Save Christians too, says this. So when, Jesus, when first century Jews living in Jerusalem celebrated Pentecost, they gathered together to read the account of Sinai from the book of Exodus and then reflect on the history of their people. This is like Sinai all over again. Only this time, God isn't taking up residence in a tabernacle or on a mountain or a set of words. God is dwelling in people. God, through his Holy Spirit, is dwelling within us. And sometimes, I'm sure like you, suddenly you've, you've been aware that God's Spirit is within you. And that thing that you were fearing, suddenly you feel, you feel a peace within you because you know that God is with you. It doesn't take away the, whatever situation you might be facing, you've still got to face it, but you know that you don't face that situation alone because the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. So the Holy Spirit is the presence of God with us. 
Jesus says again in John 15, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And maybe some of you just need to know that God is with you at this moment in time. Whatever you're facing, whatever situation you're facing, that God is with you. And he resides inside of you and wherever you go. And then those moments when you feel totally alone and abandoned, remember that the Holy Spirit is with you and that's God's presence. And sometimes you just have to claim that you might not actually feel it. Sometimes we can read Acts chapter 2 and we think, oh, that's wonderful because it was obvious what was happening. There were flames of fire that people could see. There was something like, there's a sound of a rushing. There was something physical that people could, could grasp onto and see. And very often we don't get that. And yet we can still claim this promise. And sometimes that's what you've got to do by faith. Say to yourselves, you know, God is with me in this situation. That's what scripture tells me, that God is with me. And you have to claim that promise and ask God to give you the peace. And of course, this is what happened to Peter. Uh, when all these people were bewildered and some people were poking fun, saying these people are drunk. He suddenly, through the presence of the Holy Spirit working in him, stood up and said, let me explain to you what's going on. And just as Ian did that wonderful uh, recreation of Peter's preaching, uh, which I'm sure will live with you much longer than this sermon does. Um, you know, but he was given the words to say. He wasn't an educated man. Later on in Acts, the authorities are amazed because these men, these disciples are uneducated people and yet they speak with such authority. Because the Holy Spirit was within them. The presence of God. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God with us. And uh, the thing about Pentecost. If you were going to sum Pentecost up in in just one word. um, I wonder what that word would be. Well let me offer you uh, a word. Uh, It was change. It was changed because Jesus was no longer physically with them and suddenly they were left alone. But now they had the Holy Spirit with them. And that change was going to work within side of them. And this is what God wants to do. He wants to change us. He wants to change us into the people that he wants us to be. He's not going to change us beyond recognition Uh, Because he's made us the way that we are. But he wants to change us and transform us. And if we allow him to do that, he does that through his Holy Spirit. Working within us. Molding us and making us into the person and the people that he wants us to be. So Pentecost, the presence of God, it changes us. It changed those first disciples. And it can still change us today. If we allow it. Uh, sometimes you can get the impression by reading that the disciples had no choice, uh, that the Holy Spirit just fell on them. And sometimes it, 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 Christians speak of experiences like that when they feel, but we can resist the Holy Spirit, we can resist it. We can say, well, I'm quite happy with the way I am, thank you very much. Uh, this is how God made me. I might be an angry person, that's just part of my, this is part of who I am. Uh, I might be this, I might be that, and we can say this is just who I am. But God wants to mould us and make us into the people of God. So the Holy Spirit is the presence of God with us. And this week, you know, you, may, you might need to, to, to claim that promise that the Holy Spirit is with you and see what difference it makes. And then finally, the Holy Spirit is the power of God in us. 
the power of God in us. Which is amazing really, isn't it? To think that that power of God actually resides a little bit in us. That power of God. Jesus says, I'm going to send what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Until you have been clothed with power from on high. This, folks, and get ready for this, this might be a little bit scary, but this is a supernatural event. Supernatural. The supernatural power of God fell on the disciples from heaven. From heaven. Sometimes um, we feel a little bit like this, don't we? Seems to have lost his zing. Some of you can identify with that. You know what that feels like, don't you? When you feel uh, that you're running on empty. That you're worn out, that you're tired out, that you've given all that you can give. And at that moment, what we actually need is the supernatural power of God. You've seen Superman, you know, when he rips off his, off his shirt and, uh, and suddenly he's got that amazing suit and he, he takes his glasses off and he just becomes Superman. Those of you who wear glasses, you can try it if you want. I don't know if it'll happen for you. Um, but, whilst the cartoon is amusing, uh, there is some truth in that picture that the Holy Spirit, the power of God is in us. That power that God can give to us is in us. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's what Jesus told the disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Not power that we can uh, abuse and use for our own ends, but the power of God to be used for God's will and the building up of God's church and God's kingdom in the world. That needs power. But it doesn't need our power, it needs God's power working within us. And again, we can choose whether to allow God's power to work in us or not. We can try and do it in our own strength, and a little bit like Lynn, we might end up falling flat on our face. Not saying that Lynn was trying to do anything in her own uh, <laughs> strength. But you know what I mean. When you try and do things in your own strength, very often you end up falling flat on your face. But with the power of God in us, we can do God's will. N.T. Wright says this about Pentecost. He says, Pentecost is therefore to be seen as the moment when the personal presence of Jesus with the disciples is translated into the personal power of Jesus in the disciples. The disciples filled with the Spirit begin their work of Jesus' sovereign and saving rule over the world, whose Lord he now is, by their shared common life, their works of healing, their proclamation of him as Lord and King, and their bold witness against the authority, authorities who try and stop them. They built the church with the power of God working within them. And the only way we can build a church, that's the only recipe for building the church, through the power of God working within us. The Holy Spirit is the power of God in us. 
Henry Blackberry says this in his Experiencing God Together. He says, your church may have all the trimmings, but without the wind of the Spirit, there will be no power. You may have a beautiful building, have attracted many talented people who are willing to work hard for God, but your church will not sail without the presence of the Holy Spirit. There will be no power to accomplish the purposes of God. It's very tempting, isn't it, to try and do things in our own strength and to try and do things And it's scary sometimes that we can actually do church without God. We can very easily end up doing church without God and without the power of the Holy Spirit. We can work out programs, we've got people, we've got some very gifted and talented and able people. And sometimes if we're not careful, we forget the main ingredient. I always remember when I was a little boy once, uh, my mother uh, made uh, a Lancashire hot pot. And uh, she forgot to put the meat in, the main ingredient. And there it was by the side. And she had one of these funny things that you used to great mince with. Some of you might remember them. She used to great mince, she used to fascinate me. And uh, she forgot to put it in. And uh, we ate the hot pot, but it didn't taste quite as nice without the mince. And sometimes we do church, don't we, without the main ingredient. It's so easy to, to, to get on and to get busy. You know, we're all busy for God, aren't we? Rushing here, rushing there. And it can, and it can appear to be very spiritual. Oh, what a spiritual person. He's up at the crack of dawn. He's, he's, he's at church till, till late at night. Rushing here, rushing there. And uh, we, can do, we can do lots. Uh, but if we forget the main ingredients, um, we'll get nowhere. The Holy Spirit is the power of God in us. And it's in each one of us. It's not just in me or in the deacons or in, in those people that seem to be, you know, super gifted. The Holy Spirit, the power of God, is wants to work in you as well. Wants to use you as part of the church of God. This is what one person says. When God sends forth his spirit, amazing things happen. Discouraged folk cheer up. Dishonest folks confess up. Sour folks sweeten up. Sleeping folks wake up. Lukewarm folks fire up. Dry bones shake up. And pupa potatoes stand up. But most of all, Christ the Saviour is lifted up. This is what happens when we allow the power of God to work within us. So the Holy Spirit is the power of God in us. So there we have it. Uh, the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit. It is the promise of God. God promised that he would send his Holy Spirit for all of us. The promise of God for us. It is the presence of God with us. And God is present with us this morning. But he's present with you tomorrow as well. He's not, he doesn't just reside in the temple anymore. He goes in us and with us. And wherever you're going tomorrow, be assured of this, God is with you. And he, the Holy Spirit is the power of God that wants to work through us. And the amazing thing about God, God Almighty who created the heavens and the earth, who made everything and is all powerful and all present, chooses to work through us. Broken people, Failed people, people that mess up, people that uh, don't always get it right, but he chooses to work through us. Hallelujah. Amen.